Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to another insightful episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to connect with Jay Cranda, the online campus pastor at Saddleback Church. Jay has spent nearly a decade focusing on church online and is an innovative ministry leader. He blogs regularly on the new frontier of church online, sharing his experiences and practical advice for those considering or already engaged in online church ministry. Now, in this week's episode, Jay and I discuss some of the advantages and also some of the challenges of church online. Jay shares his thoughts on the question of biblical community in digital spaces, and he provides great strategies for your local church when it comes to ministry online. This is a very intriguing conversation. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into my conversation with Jay Cranda. Jay, it is so awesome to have you with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, uh, as many of my friends know, I love talking about church online and strategy and all sorts of this stuff. Yeah, well, we are looking forward, and I know our listeners are going to um, uh, be perhaps encouraged and maybe maybe challenged to think through some things differently. So it's, it's I think it's a great topic. It's a very timely topic, as we know. So let's begin, Jay, with walking through just some general pros and cons when it comes to church online. I'd love to hear your perspective on this from your experience uh, from the years that you've been involved. So what are some of um, the, the pros and cons when it just comes generally to church online? Yeah, so I, I think some of the pros, obviously talking about the positive is, is always better. <laughs> and so um, pros would be you be able to reach more people um, because it's open more. Right. So it's not just open a couple hours a week. It's, it's open 24-7. Um, you're able to reach um, really unchurched people. It's a great tool when you empower your local members and attenders to kind of go, who's the people that would never come here, but maybe can safely attend online for the first time and kind of get a dose of what we're about before ever having to have, you know, your foot on campus. Um, and then I, I would say it also kind of capitalizes. Another pro is capitalizing on a decentralized church strategy where you're not, um, no, you're no longer just focused on bringing people in a room and telling them in person, but now you can use all sorts of tools to train and do all sorts of stuff. And then I think the last pro for me would be that's kind of stands out is um, going along that decentralized church thing. I think it allows you to decentralize your training uh, a lot easier. So if you have an online paradigm kind of figured out and you kind of know how to do it because there are learning curves. Um, but once you know how to do it, you can, um, you know, it's kind of like the small group movement where um, if you're able to turn everybody's home into a pretty much an extension of your church, you could triple, quadruple your church's footprint very easy. But that takes a strategy and that takes some experience. Um, I, I Cons, uh, you know, I think it does um, in a way, if you don't know what you're doing, it can dilute your strategy at the same time because mm. all of a sudden you're you're allowing people to peek into your, your church service, but like, do you know what you're doing with it? Um, I think the other con is, is it invites, um, all sorts of people to kind of watch you, but maybe they're getting unconnected. I mean, and they're not connecting. 
So sometimes because you make something, and this is kind of the great uh, confusion with the internet, is that it's a frictionless strategy. So all of a sudden, everything is accessible, but now everything's easier. Mm. And so it brings about new problems. And so it's like, oh, wow, we never really had to worry about, um, you know, people no longer attending. Um, we, you know, people would just show up. And now it's like, well, people can just get this content. And maybe you have to have conversations around, you know, really what at the core is your church's assimilation strategy and what are you good at and what are you bad at? So one of the things that I notice is that, you know, you find out how heavy teaching your strategy is and how maybe your fellowship strategy was a little light or maybe your ministry strategy was a little light. So if, if your church is really just about coming and hearing a speaker, then online it's going to open it's going to kind of show the you know the holes in in that in in that approach um yeah and so i, I think those are some of the big things I, I, I well the obvious the other 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 one is that the con is that um it really shows how how behind maybe your 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 tech strategy really is or your software strategy or or that that whole your database, whatever all these pieces, whatever you want to call the the online tools that your ministry relies off of, um, it shows how maybe behind you are. And and unfortunately, in kind of the tech space, you have to you really have to stay on top of it. You know, you could blink for like a week, and then all of a sudden, like one update, you're behind. And so yeah. I, I think those are things that you really need to 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 know. It, it's like it's like the joke with Facebook. It's like every Every six months, they change the algorithm, and you right. just well, what just happened. And the same thing happens with all the tools and resources and softwares you rely on. You know, those are those have got to be good. And I think moving forward for the church, they got to be great mm. for sure. Excellent, excellent. That's good. Now, Jay, tell our listeners just a little bit, um, a little bit about your background. How long have you been involved in online church? What is what is your exact role? And um, just give us a snapshot because you bring a lot of um, knowledge and a lot of um, experience in, in your knowledge is not just theoretical it's you know kind of hands-on experience so so give us a snapshot as to what your role is now and how long you've been engaged in this world yeah so my role is at my church is the online campus pastor I'm at Saddleback Church in uh, Southern California and I, I've done all sorts of things at my church um, my first role, I was on the communications team, and uh, I I kind of came to faith at a smaller church, and I always knew of Saddleback because of of the pastor and because of the church strategy. My church was um, was a church that did purpose driven locally here right. in Southern California, and um, when I came to the church, it was just a lot of learning of like, oh, this is what a big church does, and really a, a church on like purpose, like very being very direct and. How I got exposed to the online space was um, the online ministry was this thing on the communications team. Somebody previously had started to kind of engage people online by streaming services, and I got engaged by just asking a lot of questions. And I had some leadership that was had big vision for the space, and they allowed me to kind of experiment. And so that was – you know, from the point of experimenting to the point now, I wasn't full time, obviously, the entire time. I've been full time about six years as the online campus pastor, and but when I started to kind of, I you know, mess around really was about almost ten years ago, and wow. so um, yeah, so it's it's been 
it's been fun and just seeing the evolution of the space. It's it's very different now, the conversations than there were, you know, when I started. I can't believe it. Was, this wasn't something I went to seminary for. I'll just say right, that. Right, right. <laughs> hey, Jay, um, I'm just curious. Why do you think that some pastors um, struggle with the idea of church online or kind of push back a little bit? Yeah, I, you know, I think there's multiple things that kind of pop into my head. Um I, I, first, I, I think it's just, it, it's, it's out of their comfort zone. It's, is one of the big things. I don't think it's the number one reason, but it's, you know, I, again, for, this is an overstatement, but for, you know, thousands of years, we're trained to kind of bring people in the room and tell them. And so the whole paradigm is around in-person connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, which again, I we'll, we'll get to this. I still think that's part of it. I just don't think that's where we start it anymore, potentially. And so, um, so and and they're trained. They're trained both in internships and in seminaries. That okay, you meet fifty-two times a year and you preach, and this is how you pastor. And when the internet kind of decentralizes that whole paradigm, it. It's hard, um, and and it's not just hard for churches. Obviously, it's been hard for businesses. And so, um, th- this is not this is not just our problem. This is like a world problem of like, you know, this is why malls across the world and um, across America are empty. You know, right. they just don't know how to. You know, you, you have to adjust. Now, I, I think the church is uniquely positioned to handle these problems. Um, I I also think the other thing is that it makes you the, the really the internet makes you have to be sharper at what you do um, because you're you're no longer competing with just the people in your town you're now competing with everybody and so it's not like I can just get a I can get a hammer from my local store I can get a hammer from Home Depot I can get a hammer from Amazon and I'm and and unfortunately the biggest dilemma with the user, if, if I were going to talk about the, the consumer on this end, is how does that experience work? And so I, I I really order things depending on how seamless everything is. And so like if if I'm going through your process um, in purchasing something, for example, and, and I, I have like five buttons that I have to click through and it's like flash based, like I'm going to be out of that thing. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And that's why Amazon, like they, they know how to like, oh, one click, two clicks, seamless, load times, all that's really important. And so I, I think that's really hard for the local pastor to uh, struggle with. And then I, I think that the biggest one is I, I feel like it's, it's short sighted in what the conversation about online church is really about. Cause I don't think the goal of online church, now I know people, some people do this, but I feel like extremes define the argument, the conversation right now. So like people, friends, friends of mine, like DJ Soto with yeah. VR Church doing virtual baptisms and everyone's right, like, right. That, that's not sound. What is that? And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, DJ is an evangelist. I just want to put that out there. Like that's who he is. And so he's reaching people that aren't, he's not cherry picking people from your local church. He's going to places where nobody's going. He's really a missionary planting things. And mm-hmm. so your local pastor, you know, is not going to be doing VR baptisms like at any time soon. I think most most pastors, if you leverage it right, there's two big ways. You can reach people online through all sorts of ways and bring them to your local experience, 
Or you could potentially, um, you know, decentralize and do some kind of church planting if you could centralize teaching. And I, I just think that's it's most pastors getting short-sighted. They just hear church online, they hear that's not possible, and they don't think about the broader opportunities. Um, they, they see the limitations, which I, I think I get, I, I say this a lot, but I understand that as like, as as pastors and theologians go, you like you need to be protective of the conversations. Words are important. That's how we have conversations. Mm-hmm. So this is why we have creeds and so forth. But I also think it's we need to be more open to the potential of using some of these tools uh, for 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 expanding the kingdom. Yeah, that, that's interesting, Jay. I wanna I wanna push back a little bit on yeah. on all this because I th- I think this is an important conversation to have and and um, I know one of the biggest arguments around church online often centers on the idea of in-person community, right? So this idea of of people gathering together, like the church has been a place where people gather together. And yeah. and a lot of people struggle with this idea. Well, if you're not kind of, I mean, there's something um, valuable about physical presence, right? And so if you're not gathering together physically and you're gathering together virtually, you know, sometimes you know, the, the question is, how does biblical community actually happen? And can it actually happen? Um, is it less than, you know, um, if you're yeah. physically, you know, in the same space together? And and I know um, that that's, a, a, you know, whenever you're talking uh, as you're sharing, um, which which I agree with everything you're, you're saying, but you're, you're sharing, you're talking about, you know, examples from the marketplace, you know, and, you know, buying a hammer online and those types of things. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of people are like, yeah, well, we're not just talking about buying a product. We're talking about yeah. being the people <laughs> of God, right? So, and I know you understand that, but for people listening, kind of walk us through this idea of um, how you guys are intentional about your understanding of biblical community when it comes to church online. Yeah, and and I think, you know, I, I would be lying to say like every piece of this is figured out. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. right. You know, it's it's for sure. You know, it's funny. I, I think about back to like eight, nine years ago when I started doing this. It's, you know, for sure. I, you know, I definitely. I, I feel like we were not we, but I was enabling certain things because it's the easiest to be able to do something when everything is kind of laid out and it makes sense. What's really murky is what do you do when you don't know what you're doing or you don't even know what it's going to bring about. And I think that's the entrepreneurial, you know, honestly, um, for, you know, the American listeners, it's, you know, that's, that, that's like an American spirit thing. You know, this is why we have these great things. It's like going to the moon or building the railroads and all this. Um, and, and all of those stories have, you know, a lot of tragic stories of things that happen because they're figuring it out. And in this in this kind of conversation of online church, it's um, it for sure. There, there's a lot of things that um, I think are tragic, and and I think there's things that um, sometimes people lean too far one way, and some people uh, close in too much. And and really, what I what I find really ironic in this whole thing is there's a lot of cool stuff coming about, but a lot of the criticism around is it theologically sound and all that? It really comes down to people feeling like there needs to be a building and it needs to be a certain size because 
what a lot of people that I have I get excited about, it's, it's people decentralizing the training part, but they're not ignoring the community part or the in-person part. And so what that really looks like is, you know, you have a senior pastor who's preaching and then the idea is that there's some kind of web app experience where local leaders, pastors, whatever you want to call them, is accessing this. And then you have, you know, you have 10 to 20 to 50 people gathering potentially in some kind of spot like a home. And they are now being the local church there. And I think those are like the, I would say, the beginnings of something that I think is going to become more robust because – there's really two approaches to this, and this is kind of how we have come about to this approach. And some of this I'll kind of explain that we're still kind of figuring out. The one is very simple, and I think most churches have kind of started to understand this, is that, okay, you stream your services online using Facebook or you're using the church online platform, or it's called Chopped for short, um, and you're uploading stuff to your podcast platform and YouTube. And so you have all the, all all this content being pushed out every week. And what you do is you consciously add some kind of piece to that, either through the teaching pastor or through like an online pastor or a host where they come onto the front end or the back end and they say, hey, thanks for watching this online. Hey, by the way, we have campuses or locations of our churches all throughout Southern California. You know, to get connected, take this next step. And so the idea is that you kind of add a very clear, you know, call to action on all these things. And then you have a team of people like an online team that follows up on those things and they they get them connected to a, your local church. And that happens for us every week. Um, we have people that watch online for the first time, either because they found us or because a friend told them about, about them. And then what you do is you say, hey, by the way, we would love to get you connected. I just had somebody this past uh, week, they had started watching online. They decided to take one-on-one, our, our membership class online. I found out that they were in the Berlin area in Germany, and we happen to have a campus in Berlin. And so I was able to go, hey, by the way, we have a Berlin campus. And I actually, before I emailed them, I, I emailed our Berlin pastor, Pastor Dave, and I said, do you know this person? And he said, no. So I was like, oh, that's a good thing. That means he's getting a new person. And so I, I connected them to that campus. And so th- that's, that's, the, that's the easy thing. Um, the, the one that takes a little bit more work is is when you have somebody in an area that's that you're not familiar with, or maybe a church maybe you don't know of. And so, what happens if they're in, you know, the Dallas area or in the Seattle area? Um, then you're like, then you're looking for churches you're aware of. You're like, oh, the Village Church, this is great, or you know, uh, the City Church, this is great, and you kind of connect them. I, I do that all the time too. We connect people to local churches. What gets really hard is when you have international areas. And you get more remote areas in the United States or even in the uh, Great Britain. And so it's like, what do you do? And so you send them to a church, you help them find a church. And then what happens if somebody can't go to church? Um, And that's where this strategy really gets, I think, the most controversial is what does it look like for somebody who's like, um, you know, we kind of break them into like sick where they can't go to church, either they're elderly or they they had some kind of surgery. Um, somebody in a different season of life um, where they're working weird hours like night shift hours or something or audit hours where they're like they can't go to church. And then what if you got somebody who is got security issues, either, um, you know, maybe somewhere in a country where you can't openly worship um, or 
you have uh, some kind of spousal abuse thing where they can't get out of a relationship. And so that's where what we do is we help them start to express the, the purposes in our context of what does it look like. And that means potentially an online group where you can engage with other people over a Zoom call or a Skype call. Um, you can serve on our team. You can worship by watching the services with other people on on a call. Um, and then ultimately, though, we do want, we would want that person to start a house fellowship. And so that's like a shotgun of it, but like that's kind of like the buckets. And I think the the beginning part of kind of being an outreach to your local community is really simple. What gets really complicated is is that last part. And then like what what if somebody like from our church, like thousands of miles away, gathers fifteen people in their home every week, but they say that they're part of our church because they're they're hosting like a, a service in their home and they're expressing the purposes of our church locally and I'm their pastor. Is a church okay with that? Um, and and I think that's a that's a larger question that I think some are really wrestling with. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good, Jay. Let's kind of walk through this a little bit because you you shared a, a few different models there, and I know that you know a lot of our listeners obviously aren't um, pastoring a Saddleback type of a church, right? And mo- most of them are are pastoring kind of here in the U.S. You know, a typical church has one one campus, you know maybe somewhere between, you know, around 100 or so people attending regularly, but they have a heart to um, expand their kingdom reach. What would that look like for them? Because a lot of churches, as you said, they're streaming their teaching times and their worship gatherings, but if they wanted to be intentional and begin um, trying to connect with people and, you know, make disciples and reach people who are far from God using church online— what would you suggest or recommend or what have you seen other churches doing um, along those lines from that kind of context? Yeah, I, I think I, – well, I think the number one thing is that if you're really small, um, physical space costs a lot of money, you right. know? Yeah. And so I, I think – and really you're not necessarily – you don't probably own office space. You, you probably don't own your building. You know, you're, you're renting a school or you're trying to flip-flop around trying to figure out what you're going to do. And so – what what I what I've seen some ministries do, um, and and I think some people have done this well, and some people um, have poorly executed, and and sometimes it just doesn't work. Is um, I I think for a lot of people, it it could mean like prior to a launch of your church is you know doing some streams on Facebook and and doing some pre-service type of experiences where you don't need a building, and the idea is that. You kind of centralize the content through using a YouTube or Facebook or all sorts of different creative ways. Really, those platforms are determined by who you're reaching. Um, and so it, I think that that's the big question. Um, and so like the example of like if you want to reach somebody over 40, then maybe something like a Facebook might be better. Where if you want to reach somebody you know under 30, it would be you know Instagram. And so and then somebody super young, it might be Snapchat. It all kind of de- depends on what you're trying to bring about. Um, and so in that case, it's centralizing content. And the idea is you decentralize the community meeting type of elements where you kind of go, hey, you really no longer, to do church, you really don't need this large building. Um, you can you can do it without. And, and the example, of course, is, you know, the church not needing a building for the first 300 years. And really when we centralize that, you know, in in Istanbul, really, it it caused all sorts of new problems, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I think 
there's a small church that can really do that well. Now, I think for you know most churches that have some kind of space, I think what that looks like is two big things is just start streaming your stuff on Facebook and talk to that audience and and then do two things. Say, hey, by the way, if you're in the, you know, St. Louis area or if you're in the, you know, Minneapolis area, by the way, you know, we're here every week. And then the other thing is, is to tell your members, hey, by the way, if you were sitting in here and you're like, man, I wish Sally at work or my cousin would have been here to hear this message. Well, hey, it's going to be up for the next, you know, you know, couple days up on our online page, or it's going to be up on our YouTube, send them that. And then the idea is that if you've thought about the assimilation strategy, meaning that, okay, it's up on YouTube and we have a video from our pastor that directly invites them to our church or like a contact info, we can trust to send them there because we know it's going to point them back to the local experience. And so I think that's how most churches should be thinking about this. It's a way to kind of expand your, your footprint. And then, and then ultimately thinking about decentralizing more trainings. So instead of going, Hey, you know, our people are super busy and, um, they're all, we're, we're competing with their time between, you know, kids programming stuff and all that. Like, what if we did more events using these types of platforms to kind of do, um, to utilize homes? So the idea is like, Hey, I need, you know, if you're a church of a hundred and you're like, Hey, we need 20 people in our church to host trainings in their homes. And the idea is that you do in your homes because they're safer experiences other than your church, meaning for unchurched people. And then also that allows you to invite the people that you know, and instead of them come, coming to our church, they come to your, your home and then use that to host different special events. Either they could be trainings, they could be outreach opportunities, you know, I, I think the classic example that I see a lot of churches, uh, you know, at least online experiences do is like the Easter party of thing. It's like, hey, by the way, um, host an Easter party and watch the Easter service together. Um, but you could do that for anything. It's like a Super Bowl party. Mm-hmm. But think about using kind of igniting that type of passion to kind of turn homes into meeting spaces um, and to kind of expand the footprint of your church. And I think ch- churches of any size can do that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Jay, it's interesting because as you're talking, it seems that, and, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, I'm just, as I'm listening to you, it seems like a lot of how you envision church online is really, really tied to the local context. Um, so, <laughs> so like you, it seems that you recommend a more local strategy that's actually focusing on people who could um, potentially be a part of uh, your church offline, your physical, you know, church campus. Is that kind of the heart behind how you you guys at Saddleback are approaching church online for the for the most part, um, looking at how you can connect people into the local church? Or do you also have some sort of strategy that looks at, a, you know, kind of a, a, a broader perspective, seeking to actually create an online Christian community, like an online church? where people aren't necessarily meeting physically. Yeah, so I I, I think 99% of churches are going to be local-based primarily, meaning that's going to be the only strategy they're doing. Um, and so that's why I I kind of want to lead that right. way. And, and, and with our online ministry at my church, that's for sure a large component because what's, what's different about – I would say online ministry to outside of just like the medium, how it happens is that 
if somebody walks into your church building, let's say, um, or your school, wherever you're meeting, and they start talking to you, you don't have to worry, are they far or are they um, local? You don't have to, you know, kind of put a, a mark on them and figure out, are they going to be part of my community long term? Are they going to be part of another community? Um, you just start pastoring them. Um, and really every week, even when you report attendance, you would never break out attendance to local and non-local. Um, you just report attendance. And online, has you have this extra element where you have to think about, what am I going to do with these people? And the local pastor doesn't have to really typically wonder about that. They just kind of talk about their stuff. Now, the online pastor, what happens is you have this like – this you know, kind of dual strategy where if they're near a local church, you want to plant them into that church. But if they're not near a local church, you got to do something with them. Mm-hmm. And so that 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 becomes a unique opportunity. And I think larger churches kind of that's going to be their problem, because when you have a a pastor who is known, um, you're going to have this residual traffic that's just going to be like, what do you do with somebody that their life was changed because they read your pastor's book and they're in this remote area that you know might have one church that is like 200 years old and it's very traditional and so or they might have a you know a, a Mormon temple or something like that and it's like what do you do and I, I think there's there's problems that I don't think a lot of people who have these conversations really think about because um, you know I I get every every month I get somebody who reaches out to us um, because of mental illness and mm. they're no longer welcomed at their church. Mm. I get people who are elderly that were going to a small church, but that local small church doesn't know how to support them from their home as they're dying. And I now can kind of offer this – our church can now offer this robust experience. Um, it, there, there's so many – it's not as easy as just like there's a church down the street. And right. I think that's really naive. And so but I, I do think a large part of the strategy for us is for sure, like get into a great experience um, that's local because that is that is the prime type of experience. Now, for us, we do have these people that are not um, um, that aren't local and we can do something with them. And so what that means for us is getting them into an online group and then encouraging them to start a home gathering, which means that they are meeting with at least five other people and they are watching the service. They're doing an in-person temple court type of gathering mm-hmm. where they're watching the service together and they are living out the vision of the church um, in their city, no matter where that is at. And so we have a special um, designation for that, where we're encouraging them to do something. Now that's something, and I'll just say that we've done all sorts sorts of versions of this, and I, we're even in the phase right now of relaunching the strategy um, with some new vision um, and, and some new strategy that um, to kind of figure that out. But I think that's the heart where I want is either you go to a local church or you start or join a local gathering with, with, with our ministry. And so, and it's not an either or. Now you might be on a on a timeline. You might you might first engage with us the same way at a local church you might engage and sit in the back for a little bit right. but ultimately and that's where an online group is it's like you're, you're on this like um, 
you know, it's kind of like a, a sheet of ice that's melting. You can engage that for a bit, but ultimately it's, it's going to melt away and you're going to need to get into physical community. And people stay in those seasons for a while and that's maturity opportunity to kind of, oh, this is why I need to be in it. So I think it, most people think about local and we do too. And every online pastor should think about a local assimilation, but also when you have opportunities, you potentially could start home gatherings or some kind of expression of that um, if you have a larger footprint. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I like that kind of both and approach because it helps um, a local pastor, no matter what size their church, to kind of think through and and say, okay, so online church is not uh, necessarily going to be this alternative to replace the local church, um, but more of sort of a stepping stone as you're connecting with new people to introduce them to a local church body, right, that they can come. But then if you do have, if you happen to have reach where you're reaching people who are homebound for some reason, whatever reason that might be, uh, whether it's physical or or emotional or just, um, you know, out of security issues, whatever that might be, or some people who are in a very remote place, a rural place where they don't have a gathering, then you have that, like you said, kind of that, that second strategy to help them develop a you know a a, a place of worship like like a, a house church type model um, yeah. that you can help support and encourage um, as as a church even if it's from a distance. Yeah, and and really, the hard part is how do you do that effectively? Yeah, and I think that's 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 the larger question that you know we've had failures and successes around that, at least to to what we believe our standards should be. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I think it's a tremendous opportunity. And I do know that, I say I I do know, I I don't know, but I I know that there will be young pastors coming out of the gates, um, and they're probably already scheming and dreaming right now, that will use this type of paradigm to plant a church very lean, and maybe even do a network very lean. And there'll be new problems that will arise out of that, that, okay, wow, this like 20 year old planted this church while he was in college and he's doing it all like without indie funding. He has just a Facebook and a YouTube channel. What is this? Is this church? You know what I mean? Right. And, I, and I think, I think there's some tremendous opportunities and, and that's where I wish, you know, and, and this is the classic conversation around anything that's new like this. I wish the wit, the, like the people that are older that have the wisdom would kind of shepherd the younger who kind of see the platform opportunities, um, and it's it's a vice versa because there's 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 things that only you know if if you've been pastoring in a while that you can figure out. But there's also that you know if you're younger, you're seeing culture differently, mm-hmm. um, and you're seeing these opportunities, um, and that's why I don't, the local experience is not going anywhere. It's it's actually making it better. But I, I again I come back to that with the internet. You're now, you're no longer, you know, you have more competition. Um, and I, and I think you, that means your, your kind of community fellowship, Konea type of strategy needs to be very strong. And so most people don't go to church because of the pastor. They go there because of the community, the family, the, the thing that church is. And if you're very speaking dependent, I think, um, and that can be replaced online, but you can't replace the community element. And that's why mentorship training, connections, all that, you need to make sure your larger strategy is robust. And I think this kind of, again, kind of puts a a spotlight to maybe where there's gaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before we go, Jay, I was just curious, what would you say 
makes a healthy online church? You know, are there a handful of things that we can kind of kind of bullet point um, that listeners could kind of take away and say, hey, these are these are some of the things that that really help create a healthy, you know, online church experience. Yeah, I, I think one is having a pastoral presence um, for sure yeah, on there. Good. Now, it, it doesn't mean it needs to be a full time person. I, I think one of the one of the things and th- th- this is just happens with anything while you're figuring out it's um, they kind of just start things and they kind of find somebody, a warm body to do it. And um, sometimes that that person um, is not at a place where they know how to pastor. Now, that doesn't mean they can't figure it out. Um, and, and I know I've known a lot of online pastors that <laughs> will tell you that they never intended to do this. They were IT directors and then God strengthened them and, and grew them, which mm-hmm. is totally great. Yeah. But I, I think you need you need to have a pastoral heart. You need to know it needs to be somebody that's just not thinking about the numbers, but thinking about the responsibility, because ultimately, you know, I, I kind of always say this, that it comes back to a, a lot of those verses about you know, as a pastor, we are responsible for the people that are under our care. And we have to think about both of what we're enabling and um, not enabling at the same time. And a pastor thinks about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you need to shut down this or maybe you need to do this. And so I think having a pastoral presence of some sort, not just turning on a stream, but thinking about that. The other thing is very clear, having clear calls of action on the streams and videos where like if you're just pushing stuff up there um, and nobody nobody is engaging that i think that's a big mess and and this is kind of the idea it used to be as a as a pastor or you know a teacher you would just be like the call to action would be the people in your worship center um and you would just tell them to fill out something well now what you have is you have kind of three audiences you have the people in the worship center talk uh, that are interested in taking next steps you have people watching live potentially online that want to take next steps and then you have people watching online year days months years later that want to take next steps and do you have a clear call to action on all your media um and so i i think if you have a pastoral presence and then you have a you have next steps and you have somebody following up on that that means this is a this is a healthier experience and at least you can start having these conversations of like wow what do you want to do i have this person in you know, uh, Nigeria that want to engage with us. What do I do with that? Or what I have somebody in Australia that wants to do. And you, you can start talking about this as a team, but a pastoral presence and clear call to actions on everything, I think makes it healthier. Mm, that's good. That's good. Jay, thank you so much for, um, sharing from your experience. As you said, um, a lot of it has been kind of trial and error, you know, it's, it's uh, because it's evolving and you've been engaged in this for uh, about a decade, which is a long time to be engaged in, you know, church online. So you've had the opportunity to see a lot of things, a lot of shifts, a lot of changes, and um, you've been blessed to have, you know, a supportive uh, church that yes. is giving you the space to um, kind of innovate through this and 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 try to learn how to be as effective as possible when it comes to being the church online. So thank you so much for taking the time out to share your knowledge. If people want to get in, in touch with you, I can only imagine people are listening. They're like, um, yeah, I'd like to pick Jay's <laughs> brain. You know, He's been at this for a while. I know that you have a website and you provide a lot of information there. I think you even have um, some courses or some modules yeah. to help people, right? Can you talk to a little bit? How, how can people learn more from you and from your experience? 
Yeah, I, I have a blog, jcranda.com. That's J-A-Y, cranda.com. And um, I have I, I blog usually monthly. And, um, you know, I'm very big on the practitioner type of stuff of mm-hmm. really, you know, doing it. <laughs> and so this is why I love in my role that I actually get to execute and, and see what's working, what's not, what's changed. And so I usually write about that, about, you know, different things I've kind of learned um, and then, um, and then I do have a free uh, course on how to set up a healthy online church. And so it's, it's a 66 minute course you can, um, access on my website. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I'm always, um, as most of my friends know, I'm, I'm, I'm usually always asking questions and thinking about <laughs> what's going on and, um, and my, my site kind of serves as a way for me. It's honestly just a journal. It's my own journal of of of, of my ideas. That's good. That's good. Super helpful. We will have links to uh, to Jay's uh, site in the in the show notes, and also um, a link to that um, that course. So if you are interested, if you're listening, in, you're interested in learning more, digging a little more deeply into this take advantage of, of those resources that, and we certainly appreciate Jay that you're um, just offering up your, your insights as you're traveling this journey with um, anyone else who wants to take a peek and, and uh, learn from someone um, and hopefully not have to make some of, some of the um, leaps and jumps and, you know, things that you've had to figure out on your own. Uh, we can be helped by, by reading from your experiences. So thank you for making that available to us. We certainly appreciate you being here with us on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time. See you guys. All right. God bless you. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance. And if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.